This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. I've quoted John Buchanan often, a minister friend who ministered in Columbus for 11 years, then went to downtown, and I mean downtown Chicago, to minister in the loop at a church downtown. And he said, when you minister to a church in a big city, you attract all kinds of people to that building. He said that we just had constant traffic, get this, 15 hours a day. Not eight hours a day, 15 hours a day. Here's what he said. The early morning, members of AA struggling with addiction, parents and children arriving for day school and daycare, older adults for classes, Bible study at noon, and all day the needy and the homeless coming to the social service office for food and clothing, all welcomed in the name of the one, the very one who must have loved the city too. The city is noisy, messy, and full of energy. When I visit a suburban church, I'm envious of how neat and tidy their buildings are. Now, here's the most interesting visitor they had. A new fish restaurant opened up in the loop, and a man came to stand on the street corner in front of the church dressed as a lobster. Six foot tall, dressed as a lobster. He would come in after passing out brochures to people walking by and ask the church secretary, may I use the restroom? And every day, this six-foot lobster came into church to use the restroom. And John Buchanan said, you'd be surprised how many people didn't know about the guy and would walk into the restroom, and there was a six-foot lobster standing in the restroom. And they would come to the office. Do you know there's a guy dressed as a lobster in the bathroom? Yeah, he comes in every day. But that's just one of the unique things that would happen in a downtown city of Chicago situation. That's just the way it is. That was just real life. Unlikely people that we don't associate with the church. Today we're going to continue our study of Joshua, and it's the second message on a woman by the name of Rahab. You say, why are you preaching about Rahab again? Because that's what Joshua does In the chapter we study today, Rahab was the prostitute in the city of Jericho who hid two spies in her home, spies from Israel who came to spy out the land, the city of Jericho, because remember, Jericho was a garrison city. It was a fortress city that when you crossed the river and came into the land of Canaan, you had to face the people of Jericho and the army of Jericho in a city that we described in detail last week. And today we read about how that the promises that those two spies made to Rahab were fulfilled, fulfilled in her life. And it's a powerful story. It's a touching story. And get this, it's a lesson about the promises of God. Some of you are claiming the greatest promise of all, You trust in the Lord, you're going to have eternal life. That's a promise that you either count on or you can't. You either believe in the promises of God and you claim them for your life as long as what I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the service, that when you claim a promise of God, that's fine. But know that God puts a claim on you. Listen to that again. When you claim a promise of God, God puts a claim on you. You belong to me. 
And I can't go around saying, well, boy, I'm trusting the promises of God, but I don't follow his word. I don't follow what he says. I'm going to do my own thing. But boy, I'm going to trust the promises of God when I die. You know, it doesn't work that way. The one who promised his life puts a claim on my life today. And so begins Message 7 from Joshua. We continue tomorrow on Crosshope. Our website is crosshope.org. Well, let's read it. It's in Joshua 6. We're just going to read 22 through 25. Joshua and the army has already taken Jericho. It was destroyed. This walled city, remember, we described two different walls with some land in between. And the walls came tumbling down. And the very thing, listen to this. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. Can you imagine how intimidating those walls were? And that they became the very thing that the people of God walked upon to go into the city when the city walls fell. And we'll talk about that spiritually. Verse 22, Joshua 6. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath or promise to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers, and all who belonged to her. No mention of a husband. I referenced that before. She obviously wasn't married. But her family was brought out safely. They were brought out the entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her, because she had hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. God is a God of the oath. It's one of the titles of the Lord, by the way, the God of the oath. Meaning what? God keeps his promises that he makes to people. And I think one of the greatest promises is the one in Scripture that those who are absent from this body, those who die, are present with the Lord. I share that at every funeral. Why? Because that's a promise people need to hear. When you take your last breath, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians, you immediately transition, not a 100 years from now, not a 1,000 years from now, not 10,000 years from now, but immediately translate and are translated into the presence of God. There's nothing small change about that. You become in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus didn't come to change your activity, what you do. He came to change your identity, who you are. Listen to that again. Jesus didn't come to change your activity, what you do, although your activity will change when you come to Christ. He came to change your identity, who you are as a man or woman in Christ. I've been thinking about Rahab this week. She had three strikes against her. Have you ever said that about a relative? Well, he's got three strikes against him. You ever said that about somebody at school, of somebody in your family, and somebody in your neighborhood? They've got three strikes against them. Let me tell you what the three strikes and this may surprise you. Being a prostitute was the least of her worries. Number one, she was a Canaanite. 
And that was the people that the Lord had commanded must be driven out of Canaan or destroyed. And so she was marked as a Canaanite. Secondly, she lived in Jericho. The city was marked for destruction, and she lived either in the wall, on the wall, or next to the wall. Either way, she was close to the wall. And the wall was the very thing that came tumbling down. And as I mentioned earlier, the very stones that made up the wall crumbled, and the 40,000 soldiers of Israel went in, walking on the stones. Well, part three of this message tomorrow on Crossope. That's crossope.org. You know, God can take the problems in your life and turn them around that you use them for His glory. You ever thought about that? That the very problem you had, you can use to help someone else, and God can use it. Let me give you an example from Martinsburg, West Virginia. Anybody know where that is? Eve Birch lives in Martinsburg, West Virginia. She's a librarian. But she's the most unusual librarian I've ever heard of. Listen to her story. One year, through a series of unhappy events, my life fell apart. A lot of people can relate to that. I found myself, for the first time in my life, after 25 years of marriage, homeless and alone. All I had was a truck, a pickup truck, and $56. That's it, and the clothes on her back and some other clothing. She scoured the countryside for some place she could rent for the cheapest amount possible. I came upon a shack in an isolated hollow four miles up a winding road over the Potomac River in West Virginia. It was an abandoned house full of broken glass and rubbish. When I pried off the plywood over a window and climbed in, I found something I could put my hands to. I hadn't been alone for 25 years. I was scared, but I hoped the hard work would distract me and heal me. She found the owner paid him $50 a month to rent an abandoned house. $50 a month to rent an abandoned house. I took a bedroll, a broom, a rope, some cooking gear, and a gun. And I cleared a corner to camp in while I worked. For four years, she lived in this abandoned house. Men would stop by with wild berries, ice cream, truck parts, and bullets to see if I was interested in dating. I wasn't ready for it, but they came anyway. The women on the mountain worked harder than I had ever met. They taught me how to use a whetstone to sharpen my knives, how to store food in the creek, how to keep it cold and safe. What I believed in, all those things that I thought were necessary for a civilized life, were non-existent in this place. My most valuable possession were my relationships with my neighbors. Now, here's the story that I want to tell you. After four years of living and getting her life together, she moves into town, and she rented a house that was huge. You know what she started doing? Taking in homeless people and using it as a ministry and a shelter for people. And she said, at the present time, we've got nine people living in the house right now, people who have nowhere to go, but I've taken them in, and that's my ministry, ministering to homeless people. So God took the very thing, which was a thing of fear and despair and despondency for, and turned it into a tool of ministry. He took the stones that came down from the wall and said, you can walk 
You can walk on the stones. I think it's a great story. She said, the American dream I believe in is a shared one. That's an interesting thought. It's not so much about what I get from myself. It's how we can get by all together and how I can help other people. It's called loving other people in Christ. What could the Lord take in your life and use it to minister to other people? What could the Lord take in your life to use it to minister to other people? These men made a promise to her, and I was thinking about that. Can you imagine how how hard it would have been to believe that promise? They said, Rahab, remember this from chapter 2? They said, if you will put out a red cord, a scarlet cord outside your window, when we come in and take the city, 40,000 soldiers, we'll give the order, you don't touch that house. And we'll continue this message tomorrow on CrossOpe. That's crossope.org. I think as I saw the soldiers marching around Jericho every day, they're not going to remember me. They're not going to stop at our house because of Scarlet Court, and I would be doubting, and so would you. And yet they kept their word because God kept his word. And God had his hand on that woman, Rahab, because she came to believe in the true God. It's one of the most remarkable stories, not only in the Old Testament, but in the whole Bible, where she came to the place in a pagan religion saying, I know that the God of Israel is the real God. He's the real deal. And she honestly and truly came to believe. And tell me what you really believe in with all your heart, with all your soul and mind, and I'll tell you what kind of man or woman you'll become. Because we become like the one we believe in. Promises are important. Matt Kim I think it's from Korea. He said, we've all heard or made promises that never come to fruition. He said, have you ever listened to a salesperson at an automotive store tell us that the car battery you're about to buy will last 10 years, only it dies in 10 months? Perhaps you've told your children that we'll attend all their important school functions only to have emergencies come up at the last minute. Promises are made, promises are broken. And through this repetition of life's disappointments, society has become increasingly dubious about promises. We all have. You know why you're doubtful about promises? Is because you have broken them. And so have I. You have broken promises to people that are close to you. You broke one recently, perhaps. And so we doubt the promises of people, but you don't ever doubt the promises of God. You stake your life and your death and your eternity on the promises of God. What promises have you claimed from the Lord? I want to give you a few right now. You say, well, what's the Bible promise me? Exodus 20 says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Did you know that that commandment is the only commandment with a promise? You honor your father and mother and it'll go with you. And people say, well, what's it mean to honor your father and mother? Send them to Florida? No, doesn't mean to send them to Florida necessarily. When you honor someone, you place value upon their opinions. When you honor someone, you place value upon their hearts and their minds. That's what it means to value somebody. Some of you don't feel valued by a spouse, perhaps, because they don't respect anything you say. Or you were married to somebody who never respected anything you said. 
And that can have a damaging effect because you're saying, I, there's part of me that thinks I'm supposed to be honored by the person that says they love me. Isaiah 40, 29 says, The Lord gives strength to the weary, and He increases the power of the weak. What do you call that? A promise. The Lord gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. How do we get it? You claim it. You say, Lord, I claim that promise in Isaiah 40, 29, and I know that you put a claim on me. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all who ask. Did you know that's the one promise that God says, I will honor? I will give anyone wisdom who asks for it. And the sad thing is, and I'm being brutally honest here, very few people, even in this room, in the last year, have asked God for wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom in dealing with our situation. A man writes about a guy named Glenn who's in a hospice in Munster, Indiana. And John Buchanan, who writes about him, said, Glenn told me something I'll never forget. He was in hospice finally. His family would go see him every day, every day in hospice. And I asked him a tough question, John said. What's the most difficult part of all of this? It's a pretty personal question. But maybe he, John knew him well enough to ask Glenn that question. Glenn said, it's, it's in the evening, John. It's in the evening when my family has to leave and I'm alone with my pain and weakness and with one thought, the thought that I'm dying. But do you know what I do? This is years ago. He said, I get out my tape player, my cassette tape player, and my earphones, and I put in a tape of one of your sermons, one of the services. I have a hundred of your tapes, he said. This is interesting. It settles me down. It helps me relax. Sometimes I fall asleep during the beginning of the service, sometimes during communion, sometimes with a twinkle in his eye, he said, I fall asleep during your sermon. But every night I go to sleep that way in my bed, but I feel like I'm with you in church. I feel like I'm with you in church. You know, I thought about Glenn's story. He's dying, and he's just got days to live, maybe a few days. And what brought him comfort was listening to promises. That's going to happen to you someday and to me. What's going to bring you comfort in a dying world, not just a dying life, but in a dying world, a dying everything? Nothing's permanent on this earth. The world will pass away, the Bible says, so there's nothing permanent an announcement to share with you. The, what gives you comfort are the promises of God. So therefore, get this, it's important that you know the promises, but you know what's more important than knowing the promises? Knowing the one who made the promise. Doesn't it make a difference when somebody makes a promise to you? I know that promise will be fulfilled because I know him. I know her. The one who makes the promise makes all the difference in the world. And Jesus would say this, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's a promise. 
not wishful thinking. It's not something we, let's cross our fingers and we hope it's true. It's something we believe in. I was intrigued by that movie I never saw, the movie Avatar that we referenced in the visual story earlier. Isn't it interesting that people said I was depressed when I saw the movie? I came home depressed because I wanted there to be a place like was in the movie, Pandora. And they realized there is no place like that. And I really think it's a a reflection of Ecclesiastes 3.11 that says, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men and women. That there's something in your heart and in your mind and in your personality that knows intuitively, instinctively, there's more to life than just 70 or 80 or 90 years on this planet. It's called eternity. And it's either with the Lord or without the Lord. Believe the promises of God because you can believe Jesus. That's the bottom line of this message. I believe the promises of God because I can trust Jesus. The one who died, was buried, and rose again said he's coming back. I can believe that promise because I believe him. I trust him. And our website again is crosshope.org. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.